Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hello, besties. This is Jill Coleman. And this is Danny J. What's up, all? <laughs> uh, and uh, we are excited because we have a guest today. Y'all, we are doing more guest spots. And it's the only reason we don't do more interviews, correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, is because we just don't like to have shit. We make, we like change our schedule all the time. Oh, that's so then it, we're like, okay, sure. we're gonna, we're really going to be there at two thirty with Emily and not two thirty five like we normally are. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm super excited. We have a guest today, Emily Goff, who is a relationship coach. Um, and I'm gonna, but I'll let you kind of talk a little bit more about what you do. But I love like your kind of story of getting into this. You um, have your own podcast called Room to Grow. You are currently writing a book, which we'll get into, and you are working with people online with relationship stuff, with personal development stuff. And I know you also work with men on relationship stuff as well. So we'll definitely get into that. But why don't you tell our um, audience a little bit about you and sort of like how you got into this work and a little background? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny too. This is such a weird full circle moment because like Jill, you were my first business coach and we'll get more into the book that I'm writing with your ex Jade um, because that is also a very full circle moment. It's very, very odd how life uh, plays out. But I started in the relationship space uh, working with Jill, uh, learning how to launch things with uh, holistic nutrition and fitness. I was working uh, in the corporate world for a long time. I was still working in the corporate world when I started and I ended up launching everything online and that was great. And then the relationship that I was in, uh, concurrent to that for nine years, um, about six months after I left my corporate job back in 2018, I found out on Christmas Eve with a knock on the door. Uh, then when his previous girlfriend arrived at our doorstep to inform me that he had been having an affair off and on for our entire nine years together. And then everything just started pouring out <laughs> all the secrets, the secret house that he'd had uh, less than 200 yards from our driveway uh, for several years. It was just a whole situation. Um, and I just got to the point where I, I looked at my business and I was like, I don't give a shit about nutrition anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I do, but I can't teach on this. Like I just, I needed to go so much deeper and relationships were really how I had, uh, everyone had been coming to me about relationships, but it took me a long time to really get into it because then I had to reconcile with who the hell's going to want relationship advice from the girl who got cheated on for nine years. <laughs> so that was another entire piece, but I had to go through a lot of transitions to get there. Um, but it ended up being absolutely the best thing that, that ever happened to me. And I was very intentional about that at the time too. I, I said to, to my former partner within a, a couple days, I was like, I will make this the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, mm. I was just, I was not going to allow nine years of my life to be thrown away without pulling every single lesson that I could out of it. And I have continued to pull more and more lessons of it over the years as well. And as I'm sure that you guys have through your own experiences too, you know, it just, it just keeps coming sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah. It never ends. But never I mean, ends. I'm really curious about that and you know, your story and I won't like say I'm sorry because I do know that it was something that obviously has allowed for you to grow and all these things, but it is weird. And I think, you know, the three of us have this in common 
this feeling. So if you could just, I want to take a step back and just describe to the audience, we have a lot of people listen to the show who are going through midlife sort of transitions, whether it's relationship stuff, whether infidelity was part of it or not. We have a lot of people just divorced, you know, divorced, job changes, losing parents, stuff like that. What, how did you feel when his ex-girlfriend showed up on like I mean was it absolutely shocking because I I know and I won't speak for Danny but I know for me there's no way that I could have been like this is the best thing I had people saying that to me you're gonna be grateful for this and I was like fuck you dude like I couldn't I couldn't go there and so I'm curious as to what your did you have any I mean I know people ask you this question did you know did you kind of have red flags right because everyone wants to know like what what they should watch out for in their own relationship but I'm curious as to what your mindset was and how you were able to turn around that quickly Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, it's funny. I could say I could say to myself that I was going to turn it around. But when other people said it to me in those those moments of such deep pain, I was like, oh, no, fuck you. Like, (laughs) don't don't say that shit to me. (laughs) I can say it to me. You can't say it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So that was definitely part of it. But um, looking back, absolutely. There are red flags. She she would pop up occasionally over the years. Um, There were little like pings of of my intuition going off. There would be, you know, like she would come up in conversation or uh, her name would come up on his phone once in a while. Like there were, there were definitely red flags uh, looking back for sure. And, but I, I felt like my entire life had been ripped out from under me. Um, I, I was in such shock and I told, I, I told people at the time too, I was sort of like, it needed to unfold in the exact way that it did in such a dramatic fashion for me to have believed that he would be capable of mm. doing something like that because he was he was the guy that everybody loved like there were people that didn't even believe me when i told them what had gone on because they're like no no that's not possible there's there's no way that he's capable of that and it was like it was like jekyll and hyde and having to reconcile that the person that i had loved the most could be capable of doing this from day 1 like in some ways he made it easy for me because you know, for you guys, and this is, it's the more typical experience for someone to step outside of the relationship, you know, partway through. And then it's like, okay, where did I go wrong? And in some ways he made it easy for me because I was just showing up the best I could from day one. And I couldn't have really changed anything without that knowledge. So I'm actually kind of grateful for that because I think it's a lot harder to go through what you two did where you're having to look back and go, okay, well, where was the moment? Like, was there a moment where things went sideways or, or anything like that. That's really hard to reconcile with. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in relationship now? And if so, or have you had relationships since? And how has that, those lessons been brought into your like new relationships? And has it been more difficult? Have there been trust issues? Where are you at with this now? I love that question. So I, I'm dating, but I'm not I'm not like in relationship right now. And I have had uh, a couple different two or three different relationships since then, like shorter ones, not not like super long term. Um, you know, I was really intentional about the trust piece, and I'm really proud of how I have been able to manage that because when people come to me in moments of deep heartbreak or or betrayal, I tell them the same thing that I I sort of walked myself through in that moment because I've always been a trusting person. And I'm like, I refuse to lose this piece of myself. Like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna give that away to someone because of a set of circumstances, because I really like that part of myself and I don't want to become an untrusting person. That, that's, not, that's not who I am. So I will tell people when they come to me, I'm like, take that trusting piece of your heart and protect it like your fucking life depends on it. Because your quality of life will depend on your ability to trust other humans. 
And if mm-hmm. you, you allow that peace to be taken away from you, your quality of life is going to decline. You will actually not even live as long. People who are not as trusting don't live as long. <laughs> so that's that's a really big part. And I certainly, uh, I will sometimes notice, you know, certain wounds and stuff coming up, of course, as we all will in, in relationships. But overall, I am relatively trusting. What What has changed for me the most, I think, is that I listen to my intuition so much more now. So when I'm getting whispers of stuff, I'm like, okay, is there something to pay attention there? I don't like freak out and have a panic attack, but I just notice, I'm like, okay, is there conversation that needs to be had? Is there, is this just my internal wounding or is there more to pay attention to? Like, do we need to dig a little bit deeper into this? And I'm not really afraid to have those conversations with people either. Like, you know, everyone has wounds and part of being in relationship with another human is caring for that other person and their unique wounds it doesn't mean that like we take responsibility or ownership for that but we we learn to have the back and forth of of treating someone with the respect that that involves um in a lot of ways and just being really conscious of of what they've got going on that's part of getting to know someone yeah it was interesting um i love that question from danny too and i'm i love your answer because i think it's so easy to fall into even without knowing it right even having the intention of and danny and i both kind of look back on this and laugh because we certainly have lapses and trust issues for sure still but i remember when it was all theoretical it was like of course we'll trust of course we don't want to you know like we you know we had like all those things and i remember getting into my first like real relationship after marriage and being like, oh, actually walking the walk is a lot harder than like just talking about it. Right. And so I'm glad that you said that, that you're not afraid to have those conversations because I think sometimes you become, especially with a newer partner, right? If we've only been together a couple of months, you're like, do I even have the right to bring this up? Like, you know, should I just be cool, chill? Like you just have all those feelings, right? And then you're years into relationship and you're like, all right, this person, they deserve my truth. So I'm curious about how you would help someone navigate that early on in their new relationship? How do you, like, what's an example of something that comes up in a a conversation that they might be scared to have, but probably need to have Mm -hmm. because that the relationship, like you said, it owes, you owe it to the relationship to have that conversation. You know, I love, I love that you're asking us because I just had a situation like this. Uh, Someone I'm seeing, I, I, so (laughs) because of my, my past situation, I tend to have a little bit of an issue with exes hanging around, but within reason, like I'm like, you know, there's so many people like Jill, you're a beautiful example. I love, love, love. I've told Jade this before. I love the relationship that you and Jade have developed in like such a a strong friendship. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that where the line is for me is I'm like, okay, is, is an ex, um, overly communicative, overly needy, overly emotionally reliant upon this person and and like reaching out all the time and like pulling on them energetically or vice versa like is that going either mm. direction and there's no exact science to that because you know overly is not like a scientific diagnosable term <laughs> so we have to use reason and logic with this too and and that can open the door to conversations but i did just have to have a conversation uh with someone i'm seeing about this recently because we were, you know, just starting to see each, each other. And there was an ex who was very clearly still hanging on to them in a really big way, like wanted to engage with them romantically. And I was like, listen, I won't even engage with you in a romantic relationship in terms of like talking about um, like actually actually dating, dating it until you clean that shit up. Sure. I'm like, and you can still have a friendship. I was like, that's beautiful. You have a friendship, but have a friendship with boundaries. And that might mean that you maybe need 
a little bit of distance from each other temporarily until everyone like calms down and everyone like gets gets their feelings uh, addressed within themselves and all of that. And then absolutely have a friendship. As long as you are like open and honest with me about it, I'm cool with that. But the there there are absolutely going always going to be moments like that where that is a wound for me. Like the exes hanging around who are pulling on the energy. I'm like, oh, no, no. I already lived that for almost a decade. <laughs> that's a massive sensitivity, right? And it's like, yeah. you know, and that's to me, that's super normal, especially. And so Danny and, I, Danny and I have now talked about that on the other side of things with both of our ex-husbands now dating new people. You know, I'll go through, you know, like uh, your your phone will pop up memories or Facebook pops up memories. And I'll be like, oh, this is even though I'm, even though I'm good friends with my ex, I don't send him that stuff, even it would be so easy to be like, oh, my God, remember when we did this out of respect for his new relationship? Mm -hmm. Because I realize, you know, and I'm sure he'd be fine with it. But I also am like, he's dating someone else. I never want her to feel like I'm trying to be like back in the place because I've moved on too. So I never want, so we, you know, as easy it would be because we're friends to be like, oh, isn't this funny? Or look what popped up on Facebook from 10 years ago. But I'm also like, I feel like that's disrespectful to his new relationship. And it's disrespectful to my relationship, by the way, yeah. you know? And also, and I was going to ask you about this. I think inclusion also makes a big difference, right? So if you're dating someone and their, their ex is still there and you're like, why are you guys talking all the time? And they are like, hey, actually like, my my current boyfriend and, and my ex-husband literally like went to the sauna together and like I wasn't there like the two of them were like in a sauna like naked together like half naked and I was like okay things are chill here you know and I'm not saying everyone needs to do that but there needs to be some level of inclusion so I always never wanted my current partner to ever feel like you know there was still something there or that he couldn't be part of that relationship too yeah the, the the inclusion and the transparency like those two things combined are really really important if if everything is like out on the table and and that inclusion factor is there and everything else that's great like i'm like okay cool we're all good here it's it's when things get like hidden under the table and and again that's what i was experiencing there was a lot of secrecy there was a lot of like hiding of the phone like all of those types of things mm -hmm. and and when you've lived through that then we're much more sensitive to that. And and I think with with excellent reason, because I also think that transparency and inclusion should just be important anyway. Like even though, even if we even if the three of us here did not have like the, the collective experiences that we do um, around betrayal, I think it's still really important to just do that anyway for the sake of for the sake of being a good partner and, and being a good human in general. Yeah, I for agree sure. with I agree with that just in general relationships, transparency is always going to get you a little farther. Um, so Jill mentioned at the beginning that you work with mainly men and it tends to be, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are working with people of almost like the past version of themselves. So I, that wasn't the past version of you. So who do you work with uh, mostly and what are the problems they're coming to you with? What are the most common problems you're seeing and what kind of solutions are you helping with? Yeah. So, and I, I definitely still work with women as well. And, and I love getting to work with women. I love working with men though, because a lot of what I see with men is past wounding that they, and I'm speaking obviously in very broad terms here, but like collectively, we don't teach men to, to deal with their emotions and to handle pain the same way that women are, are brought up with from a very young age. Like we are just, um, taught from from such a young age how to deal with those things and how to handle those things and that that's normal and the conversation is really starting to change around men and mental health and their emotional well-being which is awesome but it's still a lot of talk which is great because that's that's the first step to change but 
the talking will only get people so far if like they still don't know actually what to do with it. So working with men to help them um, heal some of these wounds, because a story that I see playing out over and over again is men coming to me in their 40s and 50s. And it's like Susie broke broke his heart at 16, 17, and he's still like shut down from it. Like he he made that this is this is a conglomeration of multiple stories I've heard from multiple men like Susie broke his heart at 16 and he decided in that moment that he was never going to let another woman break his heart again. And he then never really let anyone in again. And then he's in such deep pain. And I say he like, you know, this imaginary man who is the <laughs> like multiple men. He he doesn't ever really truly experience love and he doesn't feel seen and he doesn't feel understood and he doesn't feel cared for or valued because he's closed. He's so closed. And we have all had that experience. But I see this so often with men and and it takes them decades sometimes like so much longer to reach uh, sort of a breaking point of like, no, I don't want this anymore. Whereas with women, we either like deal with it more in the moment or we sometimes tend to like come to the conclusion sooner of like, no, no, I don't want to live and feel like this anymore. Mm. And and the way that I see it, it's so rewarding working with the men because I just see even like the smallest little shifts can have such massive ripple effects for them in their lives. And they just start like seeing things open up to them and and creating like stronger friendships and and romantic relationships. And it's just really cool it is really really cool to see and i just feel like men are so deeply undersupported on on such a, a global scale um like the the suicide rate for men is three times out of women around the world uh they are more likely to die at work they're more likely to die in war they're more they're more likely being a man is a leading cause of death now in the u.s he, just being <laughs> okay emily i'm listening to this and i'm like this is coming up for me like this is a struggle for me yes. it's a struggle for me to care because I feel, I, yeah, I feel like, this, yes, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is good. Because honestly, I'm like, I'm laughing when you were saying they're they're still upset about the 16 year old girlfriend. Because Jill and I are like, yeah, we know these men, and yeah. I just and I just want to go like, why the fuck can't they get over it? I feel like, and this is so bad. This is on recording, but I'm just gonna say the shit. Men are the number one causes of all the fucking problems. <laughs> so they create the problems. So yeah, they're killing themselves, but they're killing each other. They're hurting women. Is it because a girl hurt them in seventh grade and so they fuck up everyone else because they can't deal with it? Like what? I don't know. Like I'm super triggered right now because of all of this. And I want to have compassion. I want to have compassion. I want to be like, yes, we should have compassion for men and mental health is a big deal. And that really matters to me. And I'm also like, but also, but, dude, but, don't be so but, fucking fragile. That shit yes, was three decades ago. Yes, right? <laughs> I sound terrible. But yeah, this is what's what's coming up for me as you're speaking. No, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because you're bringing up uh, not only like past versions of me. Like I very much like I was not always this human. Trust me. I like I was not not a fan of men at all for a very long time. I was very uh, cynical uh, about men. Yeah, and also, and I like, I love men, and I, I'm not cynical, men, and I'm not a man hater, and I'm not like an angry feminist, but no. I also feel like there are men that I'm like, what's what's the deal, dude? Like, figure it out, you know? Because yeah. we just, it's yeah. part of like wanting a man to step up, right? Like, you know, and that's like, we just had um, another guest on talking about like feminine masculine energies, and I know it's not just like men have masculine energy and women have feminine, but it's like, that's, I think, what a lot of these women that we talk to are waiting for we're waiting for a man to handle his shit 
And we're like, why do we need, like, we get over it. We cry to our girlfriends. We process shit. We start podcasts, right? Like, why is it so hard? And so, I don't know, maybe you can speak a little bit to, like, why it is so hard. And I don't know if it's hard to have compassion, but maybe we can have understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Such good points. So I, I'm going to give you uh, one. Actually, there, there are two examples that happened in the, the ending of my nine-year relationship that shifted some things for me. Because... Up until that point, I had been very cynical about men, like a father who left when I was 15, like like a lot of a lot of male wounding. I have a, a huge amount of male male wounding that I had to work through. And when the relationship ended, another decision I made very quickly was I was like, I I don't want to hate men as a result of this. Like, I don't want to distrust men more than I already have up until this point moving forward. And so I started making a really intentional choice to start looking around to see all of the really wonderful men who who were already in my life. And we get more of what we look for in the world. And I started to see like really amazing men in my life. I'm like, oh my God, like I've kind of like overwritten all these amazing guys and just like writing men off. But there's so many incredible men who are already in my life, like existing already. The other thing was that um, after my ex and I broke up, he and I weren't weren't living together anymore. I was I was living in our house, but for six months we were still doing uh, renovations on our house. So he would he would come over uh, most nights, and we would like work together on the house. And we had a lot of conversations during that time. Um, there was a lot of anger and tears, and there was also a lot of really deep conversation. And there were a few times over those six months periods where I saw his mask fall. And it was a mask that I hadn't even realized he was wearing in our entire nine years together. And it wasn't until it fell that I realized that it was there. And sometimes it was only for a few seconds. And when his mask fell, I still to this day have, have never seen or witnessed that kind of pain in another human being. And I just had like such visceral compassion in that moment for, for seeing this pain that, that men carry and that does not take away from the pain that women carry, as especially women, I, collectively, we have all been so deeply wounded um, generationally, too. Like, this is this is not just, like, you know, our own wounding that we're carrying. Like, we are carrying uh, <laughs> centuries of trauma in us um, at the hands of men. So it is really difficult to to look at men and go, hey, I'm taking responsibility for my shit get your fucking act together and figure it out. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. Like, just talk yes. to somebody. Like, like just get, talk get to anybody. Don't, don't exactly. talk to me. Talk to someone else. Talk to a friend, a dude, a therapist, anybody. You need to start processing this shit. And this is the problem is that, like, men, as much as I am a woman who works with men, men need men. And they do. that, I think, is one. Yeah, that's one of the biggest problems, because how many times you talk to to your your guy friends or your male partners and, you know, they they went it with the with the boys and you're like, oh, you know, like you asked what they talked about or uh, you asked questions about their buddies or whatever. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, oh, but, how, how is his wife? How's his girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> like they talk. But and again, I'm speaking very collectively. Most men do not have the deep conversations. They just don't. So then they go to women to outsource their emotional support, uh, most often their partners, if they have one. And and that's great. That's such a, an honor and, and a responsibility. Um, but it can also be exhausting for us 
like as their partners, because it, it can't, we can't all, we can't get everything from one person. Like Esther Perel has talked about this, right? Like we look to our partners to be everything from the dog walker to the breadwinner, to the co-parent, like it, we, to our therapist, like we can't, we can't have that. But I, I think that, that men need men in such a powerful way. And sometimes it's about opening them up a little bit to get them to then connect with other men. So like I have a men's group and I make rules in the men's group. I'm like, you guys need to go talk to each other. Like outside of like our individual sessions, like with with me, I'm like, you need to go talk to each other. Like that's part of the homework. I bring in male speakers. Um, I'm very clear on the fact. I'm like, I'm just a catalyst here. I'm not a dude. I don't have a penis. I don't know what it's like to have a penis. So <laughs> I can be the catalyst to like opening the door to these conversations and like helping you deal with some of your wounding. And my, my friend Trevor Boehm, um, he he runs a, a men's movement and he does incredible, incredible work. And he said that when he started his men's movement, it came to him very clearly in a download. Like, if you're going to do this, you have to go to the women first because women are the messengers and women are the ones who will who will get the message out there because where do men go for emotional support? They usually go to the women. So it has to start with us in a lot of ways. So so many women now who are doing this amazing work, it is exhausting. in a lot of ways to feel like if we're like alone in doing in doing this this work and like men like catch up but it is shifting like it's hard to see right now but the tides are starting to shift and like men are starting to step up more i think that there just haven't been as many opportunities up until this point and the conversation yeah. is changing i have noticed you know at least in our space in the coaching spaces i've seen a lot more men's work and men working and i do believe men need men and i it's really hard when there aren't, I feel like there aren't enough men leading men. And it's been a lot, you know, even during the pandemic where there was a lot of stuff with racism, it's like the white people need to coach the white people and the men need to coach the men. Like the people causing the problem need to also like put those other people in place. But it's so tricky when it doesn't seem like there's anyone there or when the people with the quote problem don't know they have a problem and aren't looking for any solutions. So I, I'm wondering what are the kind of things that you're saying, like you got the 40, 50 year old guy who comes to you um, and you find out, you know, Susie broke his heart and literally I'm laughing at Susie because Jill's dad (laughs) has this exact story of a girl named Susie White. (laughs) Um, So yes, it literally is Susie. But what happened to him that he came to you? Was it that he has ruined his marriage? He cheated and he's looking for help. Why is he actually coming to you? for help what's he looking for if he doesn't know yet that it was Susie yeah if he hasn't figured it out yet so there's one guy in particular I'm thinking of because there there can be different reasons the one guy that I'm thinking of you because you're exactly right sometimes they don't know what they don't know right and none of us do like we don't know what we don't know and this this one guy I started to engage in in conversation with and it was completely unrelated things like he just you know would would come into an office that I work out of sometimes and uh, totally unrelated business and when he started to get to know what I did he was very interested Mm -hmm. and I could just sense he was very open he didn't necessarily he wasn't looking to fix things but he was like open to doing this work so I just kept talking to him and I would talk to him and talk to him like every time he came in and he, he became very open to it very quickly. And then it was like opening a floodgate because it was like he, he was, it was as though he was waiting for someone to just bring this out in him. And then once someone opened the door, it was like, oh my God, yes, 
like I want I want to do this. He just didn't even know where to like where to direct that. Um, there can absolutely, I I mean, I think everyone here knows that, uh, pain is the biggest catalyst for growth. So things like a marriage ending, um, betrayal, those are, those are very common things that like people come to me with because a lot of times you know, a lot of people I find still hold so much shame about, um, like second or third marriages too. Mm. Like if, if they're on their second or third marriage, they're like, oh no, this one better stick. Cause like, I'm not doing Mm. this again. And, and they don't want to go through the pain of that. They don't want to go through the shame of that for, for whatever reason the relationship broke up. Um, sometimes they do it for their kids too. Like they're like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want this to be the model that I'm teaching my, my children. And, mm. and that's a really powerful one too. And, and I give them so much credit. I, I give anyone credit for doing this work, no matter who you are, because yeah. it's not easy. It is really hard. And like for women too, like for us to, to deal with the wounding that so many of us carry around men too, that is fucking hard work. And it is not a good time. Like there's a reason why a lot of people don't do this work because it is very difficult to open up those wounds so that you can clean them and then actually get into it so that they can heal. But it's easier sometimes just push it to one side. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. interesting. Like the, the marketer in me is like, how do they know they need help? You know, cause I'm thinking about even just my partner. He's like such a, I don't know. It's like a, like a dude's dude, you know, like he, like if someone was like, I was like, Hey, do the men's work. He'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I guess the question is and kind of what Danny asked about how does someone know? So maybe for someone like him, it would be something like so devastating that they're like, they know that they need something. It's interesting because when Danny and I were, um, we were in Los Angeles dating for several years, Danny, like how many times we go on a first date and the dude just won't shut the fuck up because literally no one has listened to him or laughed at his jokes for like 20 years. Yeah. So it's like, I could just see these men were really like craving like this emotional connection you mean like yes of course they wanted like a you know they wanted like physical touch and like sexual connection too but like that was what blew me away was like so many dudes just wanted to fucking talk about their shit and like wanted someone to just listen and feel and have someone's attention which especially because you know we're dating some men who had already like been out of relationship or been divorced already or you know were a little bit older so that was really interesting too yeah yeah that is that is huge and it's so true because we kind of write men off sometimes as um, not being nearly as emotional as women because they just don't express it the same way, but they actually are. It's just, they, they often don't have the outlet or they don't feel safe. Something that I, I hear a lot is I can ask men sometimes, I'm like, do you trust women? And sometimes they'll say no. Mm. And I'm like, okay, do you trust men? And they're like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, well, which one do you trust? <laughs> like, like, which one do you trust more or less than the other? And, and usually it's that they actually trust men less than they trust women. Mm. So women still feel like a safer space, even to men who don't particularly trust women because they've had their heart broken by Susie or whatever. They, yeah. they still tend to trust women more than they trust other men because there can be like this sort of like inherent like uh, competition and, you know, like ne- the need to win. There, there, are, there can be all these different dynamics that can play out amongst men that are, are a little bit tricky sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But Jill, you're absolutely right about the marketing piece. Like, I, I have struggled with that a little bit, which is is why I'm I'm ju- I'm looking right now at like a few different ways to like shift gears a little bit because I, I still I, I love working with men. And I'm like, OK, maybe this is just a little bit more of a long game. And I, I work with with women around some of their wounding around men more and mm-hmm. focus more on that um, for now, because I love getting to do that, too. And I, I have my women's group, which I love, too. And, and it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, the work you're doing is so powerful. I mean, 
of course I was getting like heated, but I would <laughs> respect any person going to you to work on this stuff. And I do respect any man that's willing to look at it. It's just so frustrating that there are so many that just don't and they go around hurting so many people. And it's, I guess, just for the work that I've done for so long, I can just easily look at some of these guys and you just know you're like you're just not over your seventh grade girlfriend like just (laughs) you're just like yeah and so you're just going it would be so simple but I mean it's not simple um but I'm curious you're writing a book and what is this book about and how how is it helping people and who is it for yeah so uh the book is called you grow me um, and I'm writing it. Actually, it is written. So uh, Jay, Jay oh. and Tita and I uh, have written it. So we we submitted the first draft uh, to an editor last week. And uh, we thought it was going to be out in spring or summer next year. And I have just been informed that it may be out this fall. I'm like, okay, this book is taking on a life of its own. Um, but it's it's really about the idea that our romantic partners are not going to complete us. And that instead, we need to be focused on growth. And mm-hmm. how can this this person grow me without being so focused on the the Hollywood story that we have all fallen into the trap of believing that, you know, the happily ever after and all those things, even when we logically know that that's not true, we still are often um, playing out those dynamics in our relationships, whether we realize it or not. And so just bringing awareness to that and going like, hey, this is where we're writing the whole story before we ever even actually really know someone sometimes like it takes a long time to get to know someone and we we do this too often like all of us have fallen into this trap so it's going to be for for men and for women and particularly it's going to be especially useful for useful for people who are um dating um or who are perhaps looking to start dating and that's probably going to be the ideal because we we go into different sections around that around like dating long-term relationships uh showing up in a in a confidently detached way like letting your your genuine authentic self come come through and then letting the chips fall letting the person have their experience of you and not trying to control that because when we when we try to control it and when we write the story then we feel wildly unsatisfied because things never go according to plan (laughs) and then we see things fall apart and it's it can be not only heartbreaking it can be incredibly devastating too like it's just it it can there's so what we can empower ourselves so much more than we think that we can when it comes to relationships which is really interesting because like when you say that it's not this fairy tale i mean obviously i agree with you but it's also like but Emily, like this is, it's love, right? Like it sounds like the way you're talking about it sounds so clinical. Like, you know, it's just like, hey, like you tell me who you are. I tell you who I am. And like we decide if it, like it's very like it kind of takes the romance out of it. I mean, I know it doesn't in theory. And like, believe me, I would much rather have a relationship that was like rooted in reality than having all these assumptions and expectations that go unsaid with my partner and then be constantly disappointed that I'm not getting what I, whatever, you know? So obviously it sounds like it's a communication book. I don't know, maybe, but it's, and I think that that is when I look back at even my own marriage, realizing, I think we thought we were communicating, but we really weren't because we didn't have the tools. And in, and very much like you described with your ex, you know, is that kind of forcing, like forcing us to become better communicators to like work through and understand each other after the fact that really helped me become a better communicator in all my relationships moving forward. But it's funny to think about that because so many people get married and it's like, it's the best day of their life. And like, and, and it should be, but also we're putting it up on this like weird house, like I'm the one and I'm special and, you know, and so 
what do you see? Like, how do you answer that? How can you make relationships still be that like that romantic fun? Like we're like, you know, butterflies and also be like, Hey dude, we need to have a conversation. Like, you know, and we need to be rooted in reality. We know we don't complete each other and like all that kind of stuff. I think that it's such a, such a great question because it's true. It, it can come across as like sounding, sounding very, um, clinical and perhaps perhaps that's why jade wanted to write the book with me because i'm the more the far more emotional one of the two (laughs) (laughs) so i think that it's it's about um it's really the idea of leaning into the experience and and allowing yourself to fully open to another person because that is where the magic happens if if we in, in my past, I would uh, be the, you know, the strong, the strong, independent woman, which, which I still am. But I was like the strong, independent woman to the point of don't let them see the cracks. Don't let them see any vulnerabilities. Um, don't don't let them like see any weak points because then they might not like what they see and then they're going to leave me. So I was always like the strong, independent woman. And then men could like fall for me or tell me that they loved me. And it was great, but I didn't actually allow myself to have the full experience of that because I still knew what they didn't, which was that there were parts of me that I wasn't letting them see. So with, with this instead, like when, when I'm talking about, um, you know, like, like allowing them to really see all of us and, and the genuine authentic self, that work ultimately starts within. We have to do that work with us. We have to be okay with who we are. I, I had to learn to, to become okay with the, the more vulnerable side of myself before I was going to be willing to potentially show it to anyone else. And, and there's nuance in that too, because we also heal very much in relationship. So with the right person that can encourage us to bring those parts of us out and to feel safe enough to show someone else those versions of us and to realize like to see ourselves through their eyes. And, and to see how much they care for us through, through their eyes as well, there's an incredibly healing element to that um, because we are not islands. We, you know, as much as, yeah, like we don't complete each other, we're also not meant to like walk through life alone either. Like I, I teach human connection for a reason and, and relationships for a reason because I think that they are one of the most powerful things that can grow us and, and expand us and help us to deepen into our most genuine and authentic selves. Like there, when I had been single for a long time too, I was actually hitting points of, of frustration because I felt like I had like grown so much that I was bumping into the ceiling of my own growth. I'm like, I feel like I can't access the next parts of me until I'm in like a deep romantic relationship with an intimate partner who's very close to me. Not just like someone I'm casually dating, but like someone I'm deeply deeply engaged with and and i would love to hear from you guys about that too because like you guys both have like beautiful relationships and like how do you feel like you have met new versions of yourself through those relationships with your partners do you want to take it danny i mean i'll talk <laughs> oh you're muted Sorry, I thought I unmuted Day one stuff. First podcast ever. I know. <laughs> I know. So, you know, it's really interesting to ask that question because it has been a more intentional journey this time around. I feel like with my ex-husband, while I thought we had a great relationship and great communication, because of how it ended, I realized there must have been things I was missing. So this time around, it's been very much looking at 
are there things that are missing? And maybe sometimes overthinking it, like, you know, maybe, maybe more than it should, but looking at every interaction and being intentional about how we're showing up for each other and how we're communicating. And so it's grown me a ton. And also in ways where, you know, I have a relationship coach. We actually had her on a, on the podcast recently. And I said, in this relationship, I get a lot more frustrated than I remember with my ex-husband because I think there's things I missed. And I was like, I don't understand. This is so much harder. And she goes, well, that's because you were asleep in your last relationship. So in some ways, I feel like there are more difficulties because it's almost like the ignorance is bliss kind of fallacy where there were things I didn't know that I didn't know, but those were the things that made the relationship disintegrate or end the way that it did. So it's just been really interesting going into this one with a lot more knowledge. And sometimes that knowledge can be frustrating. And I think you know this as well. Like the more personal development you do, you're like, I don't want to know all of this. <laughs> Sometimes you're just like, I'd rather just be dumb and be not have had these things to think about. But it's been really beautiful because I feel like in half the amount of time I've been w- with my ex, we've gone so much deeper and we have so much more intimacy because we've gone, you know, we, because we've gone there. So, yeah. I love that so much. I really love that you said that you have to heal in relationship because there are so many relationship coaches who were like, you need to do all the work yourself. Don't even get into a relationship until you're fully healed. And I'm like, to your point, I don't think you can know all the parts that need to be healed until no. you get start to get triggered, right? Like to so you're like, oh, okay, this is the thing. You know, especially even when I had been, I had dated a few people since uh, before Keith and I got new lessons with them, right? Like it was yeah. even like the shorter relationships, you still got like a lesson. I was, I mean, I hate to call it like, you know, like call it an education, but I was like, yeah, like, you know how people say you read a book and if you take even one thing away, it was worth reading the book. I kind of feel that way with the relationship. It's like you come, you come away with like one little gem, one little nugget that you're going to take and learn what you want moving forward. And I think more than anything for me, that has really been these relationships has not necessarily been like, how do I want to be in a relationship? It's been more about what do I, how do I want to be in a relationship? Not who do I want to be with so much as how do I want to be? And it's definitely made me shift um, this, like you kind of talked about earlier, this idea of being this like strong, independent woman. And Danny and I have talked about this quite a bit, this idea of like masculine and feminine energy allowing for my partner to do more things for me, things that I could definitely do myself for sure. Like I don't need him to take the trash out, but I'm like, yeah, take the, like it's like I'm allowing myself. And to Mm. me, that's where the vulnerability lies, at least for me, especially Mm. as a strong independent woman who really doesn't quote unquote need anybody, but to want someone and to be open enough and vulnerable enough to ask someone to do something or let someone do something for you. It sounds like such a weird like first world problems, like like allow your, it's so hard to let your partner like take the dog out. But like it is in some way for someone who's traditionally been a little closed off or a little bit, especially when you go through, you don't want to be vulnerable again because you know mm-hmm. what it could end up in. You have like first you know degree knowledge of, of the pain of that. Yeah. And so opening up has been a real practice for me, but that's where the vulnerability lies and that's where the intimacy lies, right? The, the real emotional intimacy is being able to like you said earlier in the um, interview about just really pulling back and showing someone your true self and then trusting that 
they'll receive it however they're going to receive it, you know, and not being scared. I think there's a level of maturity that you have to have to be authentic. I know it sounds so strange to talk about authenticity. Obviously, it's like it shouldn't it just be easy to be yourself. In relationship, it's really hard to be yourself, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. And then you start to slowly create a show of evidence that it's okay to be you because you have these conversations, you pull back the curtain a little bit more, you show them a little bit more, and then you're like, okay, they're still here. I guess they do like me. Yeah. <laughs> I always tend to like, I mean, even with Keith, he knows, like if I get in a sensitive spot, I'll be like, why are you even with me? Right? It's like, it's that, it's that self-defense, right? It's that defense mechanism. I'm not that great. Why are you even with me? And he's like, Jill, why are you even asking that? <laughs> like, because I'm insecure. It has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. So you just notice that kind of stuff and, and, you know, kind of work through some of those things. But to me, that's been the the benefit of being in new relationships is discovering how I want to be and figuring out that Goldilocks of like what's that you know strong independent woman with also being able to be nurtured and be taken care of and it's been really fun yeah oh I love that so much and that's why I love this work too is because there's there's no black and white answer to anything and really I don't think that there's a black and white answer to most things but especially when it comes to relationships like there's no set period of time where uh, it's the exact right amount of time for somebody to be single or on their own. There's no exact like right relationship. Like it's the relationship that you both choose to co-create together and work on. That's the one that will work. Like there's there's not an exact science to some of these things, but it's it's finding what works for you. And and I do see a lot of people in the online space going, you know, like, oh, you have to be like fully healed or you shouldn't yeah. be in a relationship or whatever. And I'm like, yes. And like, mm-hmm. yes, there is work that you need to do on your own. But there's also work that you need to continue to do on your own, even if you were in a relationship. Like it doesn't just end when you yeah. get into a relationship. But there's so many beautiful things and and parts of yourself and aspects of yourself and and healing that can take place only with another person and if we shut ourselves off from that we are locking ourselves away from one of the most beautiful opportunities that we have as humans to to grow and expand and to to learn and to experience like really a beautiful amount of of joy and and love and intimacy like there's i can't i can't really think of anything better than that yeah to to be able to have that experience well, people are such mirrors to us. And it's interesting with each, like what Jill said, even the small relationships in between, they mirror different things to you. And so the current relationship I'm in mirrors completely different things than the relationship I was, the long-term relationship I was in before. And the the small dating relationships I had in between also mirrored back different things to me. And so it was never really about the person as much as how I was reacting or showing up with that person and to that person. Um, I was actually just at a like bachelorette kind of bridal shower this weekend with a lot of women. So this is something I'm curious about. There was a gal there who's been dating someone for a couple of years. And so the conversation is going around like, do you see yourself getting married? Do you think they'll ask you? If they asked you, what would you say? And she was like, well, I don't know. Like, how do I know if this is the one? How do I know? if this is the right person or if this is the person. And she said one of her fears is she's going to grow and maybe outgrow this person. And so how can I choose now? So I'm curious as to what your what would you say to something like that, to someone who's like, how do I know if this person is, quote, the one? I think that's such a good question. And I think it's such a common question. Like I hear mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. And I think that, that we have to really go inward. And, you know, we, part of that is also the recognition that, there may not be a a one, Mm -hmm. right? Like we have to kind of become the one. And I know that sounds like, like personal development bullshit, but (laughs) 
<laughs> taking away all the romance, Emily. I know, I know. I feel like I'm killing romance. God, Should we I'm just like, kill ourselves? Love. <laughs> <laughs> but it it may be that 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 question is often rooted in looking for something to hang on to a little bit, like like that degree of certainty. And I get it, trust me, because I want that certainty too. Like, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone going like, you know, the, you, like I want that as well. I would love to be able to have that degree of certainty. What I think that anyone who has lived through um, enough life and, and experiences knows is that certainty is an illusion. And it's, there, there is no, no certainty. So when we can open a lot more and to allow ourselves to show up as our genuine selves and like really enjoy the person and everything else, it allows us to be more present with the person and to be more present in the experience. And to me, that is much more likely to create the, a successful, successful can be defined in a variety of different ways when it comes to relationships, but a, a long-term relationship that, that sustains that if you can live in the present rather than wrapping yourself up in the 5, 10, and 20-year plan, ironically to me, living in the present is actually much more likely to create the relationship that will sustain for the 5, 10, and 20 years mm. rather than writing the story of what we think the 5, 10, 20 years will look like and then trying to jam a particular person or relationship into that story that we've created. Does that, does that make sense? Because I, it's, it's I like, love that. Right? I really love that answer. I had my own, you know, ideas and answers for her, and I loved yours. That's really, that's really good. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I'm glad. It is also one of those. Yeah, I was gonna say it's also one of those things where you know, um, obviously, no guarantee. But to your point, what would you say to someone? The second part of that question, which is, how do I know? that I can grow with this person. I'm not sure if you have experience with this, with people who are maybe wanting to, I mean, I don't know. I was just, before we got on this call, I had a coaching client and she's going through a separation and divorce. And so as an entrepreneur, I see a lot of times, especially when they start doing entrepreneurship, you know, that that ends up being, I always laugh that I'm going to have like a husband on my front lawn with like a shotgun at some point because of how many of my clients have gone through divorce when they've been with me. And I don't think it's like me, but it's just like, the, it opens up your eyes to possibilities and it changes the script of the relationship. So what do you tell someone who's like, I'm worried that my partner is going to be left behind? It doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, but in any way that we grow, especially personal development, I feel like that's a big thing too, is once you start going down the rabbit hole, you're, you're looking back at your partner like, are you coming? Like, we're going here. It's amazing. You need to join me. And they're like, what are those books you're reading? Right. And so is it possible to, you know, have one person growing and then stay together? And I guess the second part of that question is, why do we have to stay together? I mean, that's such a big focus of this society, I feel like they'll look at someone who's been together 50 years, two people hate each other, but they'll call it a success. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on sort of like the outgrowing piece? And then also like, is it a failure if people get divorced? Well, I mean, first of all, it's definitely not a failure if people get divorced. Like to me, the, the, a successful relationship comes in so many different forms and we have to kill this, this societal narrative of like, you know, 50, 60 years until death do you part. I'm like, you are the one who is going to be with you until death do you part. Like, how is that relationship going? <laughs> we need to work on that. And everything else is like a beautiful cherry on top that can help to expand that. It's, it's funny you say that too, Jill, because... Um, the stories about like, you know, the, the husband's on your, on your front lawn because I worked with you in 2017. So that was when I launched my business. Yeah. And then I quit my corporate job uh, midway through 2018. 
at, with, with my partner's like full, full support until I actually quit. And he had, mm. he had been encouraging me for months, months and months and months. And when I actually quit, and it did, I didn't see this until later, looking back, something switched and he started to pull away from me a little bit. He started to be like almost like a little bit resentful of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was six months later that I found out everything that had been going on for the whole nine I'm years. really glad he wasn't on my front lawn. He's one. <laughs> he could have been in the running. He's one that we don't want on your front lawn. <laughs> but I do think that it's any relationship is going to have an ebb and flow. So one person, there will always be times where like one person is perhaps growing a little bit more than the other, or they're perhaps growing a little bit, uh, in different ways and not quite as much together as they, as they have been. I think that that can definitely sustain for some time with, with like communication and, and conversations and being really open and honest and all of those things. But there will come a point and again, there's no exact science for this. I don't have like the guidebook as to the exact moment in time, but I think that there will come a moment in time where there's going to have to be some sort of like reconciliation moment or um, kind of like a catalyst where it's like, okay, like shit or get off the pot. Like, are you coming or going? And because we also then have to make that decision. If we, for example, are the ones who are growing and our partner is being left behind and we have done all the things we have, um, you know, had the conversations, we've had all the compassion, like all, all those things, given as many opportunities as we can, are we willing to stifle ourselves mm. for however many more years or potentially the rest of our lives in order to hold on to that relationship? And there's no right or wrong answer to that. For some people, they, they will and they're okay with that. And, and that is okay. That is, you have full permission. Like, that is absolutely okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a matter of, of one's personal own personal priorities. If growth is your priority... And, and the other goals that you have in your life are a priority that will require you to grow to reach them, then you're going to have to have a hard conversation with yourself and with the person that you're with. However, if you want to prioritize the relationship instead, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want, that is okay. As long as both parties are very open and clear that like everybody is on board and it's not going to create resentment, which I question if it maybe could in the long term, but... If everybody is on board, then cool. Like you do you. That is that is absolutely okay. There's no right or wrong answer to this. I love that you shared that about the no right or wrong answer too. I think that can give a lot of people a little bit of a sigh of relief. We have obviously this this podcast has a lot of people who listen who are trying to grow. And I know from my DMs and, and I'm sure Jill, your clients as well, a lot of them are in that space where they're growing and they're like, my partner is not. And I also have noticed that some of them will start to rise up as you keep growing. They will either, like you said, shit or get off the pot. I know Chris Harder always tells a story about how Lori was kind of growing and and getting big and and kind of being more well-known. And that's when he kind of made himself do this 30 books in 30 days kind of uh, I don't know, challenge for himself and pushed himself. And sometimes I think the women are frustrated that the guys aren't coming along. But I think there is a point where some of them might actually figure out how to come along, not always in the way you're necessarily wanting them to. I do see this a lot. And maybe you do too, where they want them to like read the books they're reading or go to the workshops they're going to. But I think there's also a piece and I, I'm curious as your thoughts. I think there's also a piece where you can allow them to also grow, but it doesn't have to grow in the way that it looks like growth to you. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because 
that otherwise it just becomes another story again where we are again mm-hmm. trying to jam someone into like what our definition of growth yeah. is but they may have a very different version of growth and and that may also actually serve to better the relationship like two people growing the exact same way might actually get boring after a while mm-hmm. if you're like reading all the identical books if you're like going to the same events doing all the things i'd actually rather be with someone who's doing different stuff like sure you want some crossover like some similarities absolutely and like alignment but we we sometimes trick ourselves into thinking that we want someone to be exactly the same as us. Mm-hmm. Like we can get pissed off with someone when they don't re- respond the way that we do or like they don't they don't talk the way we do or they're not growing the way we will. You'd be fucking bored. If they were exactly the same as you, you'd be like, "Oh my god, get me somebody else who's like Or maybe like not <laughs> Yeah, or maybe like not attracted. So can you speak to this because I think this is a really weird like sort of conundrum is that we want at least, you know, this is what I hear talk to my girlfriends, we want men to be open, be communicative, right? But like, honestly, if my partner was like, like my partner used to go and like play basketball. If he's like upset or whatever and he comes back and he's like so much more level-headed and he's so like, you know, what? I'm not saying everyone's like that, but I I think if he was like, I'm going to go read Byron Katie, I would be like, <laughs> I like wouldn't be attracted to him really. You know what I mean? And so, I, and I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not sure if this is like more of a general thing, but like, you know, how can we, and it's maybe it's a tall order. Maybe it just doesn't. Maybe it's just we don't get that. We don't get the like communicative, open, honest, transparent partner, and also the like hold it down, stable. You know, like I got you. Like can provide sort of partner too. Does that make yeah. sense? What I was kind of describing yeah. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think it's just like a, a matter of of letting people be who they're going to be and then seeing how you can fit together and and not not expecting you know like like recognizing that everyone is going to bring different strengths to the table and appreciating those strengths for what they are too and also having patience with someone like i, I as as we're growing as as any of us are, are growing sometimes people are going to take longer than others because also we have to remember we've all been through this growth is fucking exhausting <laughs> It is exhausting sometimes. So someone else might see you growing and they're like, oh my God, that's like climbing Mount Everest. Like I literally don't have the energy for this right now. How are you even doing this? Like, so they may get on board. You just might need to give them more time to come at it in their own way. And then maybe growth for them is going to mean like going out and hanging with, out with the guys more often. And like how much you actually end up benefiting from that because they are more like, put together and, and like level-headed Jill to your point and and, and uh, calm and grounded and all of those amazing things that then they they're bringing all those beautiful qualities back into the relationship that's hot like that's that's sexy it's like awesome you go do your thing and you bring that back to me I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> love that well I do you have any other questions for Emily I do not well actually yeah. let's just talk a little bit about uh you said the f- full circle moment so I would be interested in sort of, and you know, I, I love that knowing your story and obviously knowing my ex-husband's story and you guys writing the book together, to me, that's just really special and really amazing. It's definitely work that needs to be in the world. So congratulations on that. So, um, you know, how has it been like a full circle moment for you? Obviously you and I work together, so I'm sure that that was a piece of it too. Uh, but to see you doing the work that you're doing now is obviously it's so in line with what we do at the best life too. So we just really wanted to get you on to, to talk about that too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because, um, 
Jill, I don't even know if I, I've, I've, I've probably told you this story. I can't remember. Back in 2012, <laughs> I feel ancient saying that. It's like 11 years ago. Uh, <laughs> I started teaching boot camp classes on the side for this little company. And they handed me Jade's first book, um, The Metabolic Effect. And it was mandated reading. They're like, okay, you need to read this That's cool. before you can. Yeah. So I was like, who the hell is this guy? So then his, his book changed everything I thought I knew about fitness and nutrition. So then I started following him online and then I found you. And I, I decided in 2012, Jill, this, this is good marketing for you. I decided in 2012 that I was going to hire you as a business coach one day. And I did not hire you for five years. <laughs> <laughs> See, people, this is how it works. So don't come at me like people aren't buying your shit today, okay? Playing the long game. I was like, Jill Coleman is going to be my first business coach. Um, and and then I also saw that because I saw you guys had online businesses. And I wanted out of my corporate job, but I hadn't known what to do. And I'm like, oh, my God, online business is a thing. I can do this. So that was when I made the decision to hire you. So cool. And, yeah, then I, I, I worked with you. Um, and then I dated a, a mutual friend a few years ago of, of mine and, and Jade's. And then uh, we ended up um, going to Asheville to, to hang out with Jade. Jade and I just like kept talking the whole time about relationships. And then we just got super close. And now he's like, he's like my sibling. <laughs> yeah. And now like 11 years later, I'm co-authoring a book with him when his book was mandated so to read like 11 years. It's totally bizarre. I'm like, how is, well, I don't understand. <laughs> so cool. I love that. So weird. <laughs> that is. So where can people find you, learn about your offerings, follow you, DM you with all their relationship questions? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Hope you have strong my DMs boundaries. Are always open. My DMs yeah. are always open. Um, yeah, so I'm over at the Room to Grow podcast. Um, talk about relationships and all the things over there. Uh, I'm over at Emily Goff Coach. So G O U G H is my last name, Emily Goff Coach on Instagram um, or emilygoffcoaching.com. And I have stuff for men, stuff for women. I work with all the people and uh, I just, I, I feel so honored that I get to do this work. It's just so, so cool that I get to do this and I work with people around this really intimate intimate stuff yeah <laughs> love it and then the I book is it. coming out hopefully in the fall maybe yeah, maybe later as early as fall yeah are you yes. are you guys spring, are you going to record an audible version as well oh we sure are we're recording oh, good. An audible version um and i haven't told jade i'm spilling the beans on this publicly but we're also running a relationship event in Asheville in september oh so there you go be, people all the information will be coming out for that yeah there you live. go if so, you're yeah. single too go show up to that event you might meet your person That's who's also growing yeah yeah I feel like if you're a growth-minded person and you want to meet a growth-minded person you go to that event and that's where you meet your future partner absolutely although the problem <laughs> is that I feel like a lot of these events attract way more women so yeah like women show up and they're looking for dudes and then right like, what, probably back like to Danny's point about yeah. how <laughs> women are just more personally developed social yeah. development minded yeah always trying I to get better with you Danny yeah. I agree with you there's a lot of work to do in that area <laughs> so I will say for the couple men that show up they are going to have the choice you know they're going to yeah, be right. <laughs> all the pickings are going to yeah be for you. they will they so we need to send this to a few guys Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you so much for showing up and, and just the work you do here and for answering the hard questions and, and taking the taking the heat on some of this stuff and for oh, for the it. men and I the women. Too. I'm sure the men <laughs> felt defended by you. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys. It's just such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, darling. All right, you guys. Well, we'll see you on the next episode. If you uh, be sure to connect with Emily, uh, be sure to, if you love this episode, go ahead and give it a share on social. We will always regram you. Thank you for your time and attention and we'll Bye. see you guys on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.